Welcome to another Impact Tonight at Impact Judge Kitchen Leadership. This is episode 77. I'm your host, ID3 Pfizer, joining the third. Tonight's comments are Latane Phillips, Buddy Thornton, and Dr. Francis Bunya. Latane Phillips, please say hello to the people. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me. Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. Good evening, and it is an honor to be here with my uh, esteemed panel mates. And Dr. Francis Bunga, please say hello to the people. Hello, I'm super excited to be here this evening. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, tonight's topic is one that's going to cause great controversy. I mean, it is. How did COVID-19 impact the poverty demographics? The projected poverty rate has increased up to 12.3% for white individuals in August. It increased to 26.3% for black individuals and 26.9% for Hispanic individuals in 2020. In other words, the poverty gap between white people and black and Hispanic people widened dramatically during the pandemic. A new administration, this new administration has instituted the American Rescue Plan, a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill passed by the U.S. House of Representatives on February 27, 2021, which provides critical investments to mitigate the growing economic hardships affecting these parts of the population. COVID-19 pandemic is estimated to push an additional 88 million to 115 million people into extreme poverty by the end of 2021, depending on the severity of the economic contraction. An opportunity now exists to redefine benefits, opportunity costs, and challenges of economic hardships affected by COVID-19. Ivan Pollock discussed that animals, including humans, can be conditioned to respond in a particular way through the use of outside stimuli. Ivan Pollock was a mastermind sociologist and physicist and a researcher as it relates to human behavior. Um, in his theory, he concluded that developing the foundational ideas of classical conditioning can cause living things to respond how they are trained to respond. So tonight, we will have a thought-provoking conversation that is unbiased. about how did COVID-19 impact the poverty demographic. Tonight, I want to pull first from uh, our guest here. He's no stranger to the Impact of Education Leadership podcast, and that is Buddy Thornton. Please tell us now a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently, sir. And welcome. Well, here in the... Oh, yes. Uh, thank you for the prompt, Isaiah. Here in the... Uh, uh, great state of Arizona, we are uh, fighting a fairly good battle against COVID. And I uh, pivoted from some of the earlier work that I was doing outside the home 
to helping deliver convalescent plasma and blood supplies to all the hospitals in the area to help the first responders and the medical personnel fight COVID. And uh, although my role was very minor, uh, I, I must say that uh, besides myself, there were literally hundreds of senior citizens like myself who took it upon themselves to get out and fight this battle. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can take a small measure of pride in what we were able to accomplish. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, it's just business as usual. I'm moving on on. Thank you, sir, for that. You know, what, what I've found out in life and through the people that we meet, that whether we like it or not, whether we want to deal with it or not, whether we want to hear, hear it or not, whether we want to feel it or not, love is a battle. And so is truth. Let me pull an excerpt from the book, New Being, from... Paul Tillich, he says in chapter 8, what is truth? There is not freedom but demonic bondage where one's own truth is called the ultimate truth. For this is an attempt to be like God, an attempt which is made in the name of God. Distrust every claim for truth where you do not see truth united with love. The truth that liberates is the power is the power of love for God is love and I want to bring that excerpt out of his book because tonight we need to deal with the hardcore truth the truth of the matter this is why we brought in Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. My question for you, sir, is this. How do we redefine the benefits, the opportunity costs, and the challenges of economic hardships? And we're talking about these different ethnic groups, white, black, Hispanic, Asian as well, that have been affected by COVID-19, that's my question for you, sir. Uh, again, Isaiah, I really do appreciate the prompt. COVID-19 has basically done three things to our society when it comes to challenging us as far as economic hardships. Number one, it really has put us all in the same boat. Not from the perspective of where we started the journey when COVID was uh, uh, released upon uh, the, the globe, but anybody who was below a midpoint line, and that includes the majority of minorities, blacks, Hispanics, uh, and even some of the lesser uh, groups uh, throughout our country, anybody who was in that lower 50% has felt an incredible pressure on their hearts. Uh, we've had... Uh, to endure unbelievable uh, loss because the government decided that they were going to try to fight this battle from a totally different perspective in the middle of a political quagmire. And so you had people who were giving good advice, bad advice, horrible advice, 
and it left the general population, and especially the lower 50% socioeconomically, to try to find a way to balance act their way through this mess. COVID is a mess. No matter how you look at it, from the beginning all the way to now, there are still areas of the country who are fighting a battle just for existence. The Balancing Act has some very, very defining points. Number one, when you're trying to look to get a leg up, when you're trying to figure out how to move through society economically, you're almost always looking for a way to create some type of an advantage for yourself. COVID took that away. What it did was it forced us to look at the balancing act between opportunity costs, which you mentioned in your question, and sunk costs. That that we have put into something that we cannot get back. And specifically those business owners and those employees of those businesses that have been severely hampered or closed during COVID have to make a choice right now to look to the future. They have to release the sunk cost. They cannot anchor themselves in victimology. They cannot think in terms of, wow, what could have been, what should have been, what was going to be, because any energy wasted on looking at the past and failure in victimology is energy they will not have to jump into this fight to claw for a new position in existence. The coping skills that a lot of people have been able to come up with, and some, you know, humans are pretty inventive, but a lot of coping skills have emerged during the COVID crisis. And those coping skills, I would call the, the primary foundation for any benefit that's going to be gained moving forward. Uh, one thing that we see making successful ventures happen all around us is through community efforts, community strengths. If no one is stepping up in your area, if no one is stepping up on your block, you step up. You may not be able to step up financially, but you have a voice. You can help. Even just sitting across from a table and helping someone get away from the depression of victimology and helping them gain hope for the future is a benefit that will impact their ability to beat the economic hardship that they have been facing. The goal is not to accept that there is no goal. The goal must stay in front of you. Everyone had a goal pre-COVID. That goal should still be there. It may have had to pivot. It may have had to change a little bit, but it still should be there. People have to have hope. People who are positive social change agents, my peers, need to understand that the only thing they can provide at this point in time is a roadmap that's tied to hope. Some people are going to get inventive with their relief money. Some people are going to waste their relief money. No one can dictate how people spend that money. But at the end of the day, if the goal is still there, what must change? The path to earn that goal must change. Anybody who's in a position to help another person, any, even if it's just one other person, you must help them redefine the path and put them back on the journey to gain what they feel they may have lost. It was not lost. Delayed? Yes. Lost? No. We need to redefine 
how we look at the world, not on a timetable, but as a journey with an ultimate end. That was Buddy, the positive social change agent pro. He talked about us being in the same boat. Wow. Wow, we are. We are in the same boat. So that means if the tides are coming in, if the water is being troubled, we are all feeling the effects of the water or the condition. When I listened to you speak, it was like digging for oil. What I mean by digging for oil, it was it was a dig. It was a dig for a resource that needs to be sought after. Why does it need to be sought after? Because we need answers to these many questions that people are asking, right? And so when you were speaking, it was like mining for gold, mining for gems. When you were speaking, I was hearing gems being dropped. You talked about coping skills. You talked about community efforts. For me, you were giving us, you were imparting to us the management tools that we need, not only to cohabitate, but to survive. Uh, we are in, if whether you like it or not, we're in a survival state. <laughs> we're in a survival state of mind right now. Why are we in a survival state of mind right now? Because people around us are, are, are losing jobs. People around us are, are losing investments. People around us are losing lives. People are losing their lives. Not only are, they, are their health failing, but people are, we're actually losing people. We're actually losing people. And so, when this thing blows over, because I believe it will, people are gonna have and they're gonna need things to grab hold to. They're going to be looking for truth. They're going to be looking for answers. They're going to be listening. They're going to be researching. And hopefully, if we're blessed, they're going to hear the words that you said tonight. And it's going to help them navigate. It's going to help them find opportunities. It's going to help them be able to understand what opportunity costs are and how to evaluate. Is this something that I need right now? Or is this something that I can wait and benefit from later. Thank you for adding so much, so much uh, value to this podcast, Dr. Boy Thurman. Don't you go anywhere because I'm going to be coming back to you to answer some more uh, questions. But thank you so much, sir. Um, I believe that's a great transition to um, one of my uh favorite people to bring on to the podcast, Mr. Latane Phillips. Please say hello to the people and tell to listen to us a little bit about what you're doing now, sir. Thank you, ID3. When you said um, one of your favorite people, I didn't think you were coming to me, so <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but my name is Latane Phillips. Um, I run a nonprofit called Hunger Busters. Um, and what, what we did uh, prior to COVID is we fed children. Um, we were at 11 schools and six after school programs and we were feeding about 3,500 students a day. Um, and these were students that the district had deemed food insecure, meaning that when they ate lunch, they were not going to have a meal again until they came back the next day for breakfast. Um, when the school shut down, after school programs became non-existent, uh, we shifted our program 
and we realized that the students that we were serving, I'm sorry, the parents of the students that we were serving were also out of work and in need of resources as well. Um, so we, we shifted our program and began feeding the entire family. So um, our model used to be fueling kids, or I'm sorry, feeding kids, fueling futures, and we switched that and pivoted to just simply feed the need. Um, so we've gone and now we're doing about 12,500 families a week now. Um, we started off with just a simple spaghetti dinner where we, uh, we offered uh, frozen meatballs, pasta sauce, the noodles, um, corn, green beans, and, and other vegetables to supplement the meal and some fresh bread. Um, and then we've kind of morphed that into a very, very large and robust produce box um, that has all sorts of fresh fruit and vegetables with it, onions and other garnishes, uh, meat, a gallon of milk, and a loaf of bread. Um, and so that's kind of what, where, what I'm doing right now. Every time I hear you speak about hunger busters and, and all the many things that you guys are doing, I have, to, I have to hold myself, I have to keep myself from just, from losing it. <laughs> the, battle, the battle is real. You know, and what you didn't talk about is that, the battle, because it's a battle. Whenever you are fighting against opposition, Whenever you are, are are fighting against generational, um, chronic homelessness that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, you're in the battle. You're on the front lines. And so it's tedious. It's tedious to get them not only food, but get them peace because every meal comes with love. They're not just eating the meal to fulfill a, 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 you know, a hunger. And I know it's hunger buses, but with every meal, you're feeding their souls. And so the question I have to, have to bring to you, I have to present to you is, in what and how is your organization uh, set up to provide opportunities and benefits to the people in your community. I know you feed them, but what other opportunities are you providing for the people in your community? That's my question. So excellent question. So food insecurity um, is a secondary condition that, that's typically based on other issues. And uh, what COVID-19 did was it the people that were living paycheck to paycheck or the people that um, were that had a high um, the high level of earnings what it is was it, it exposed those people rather quickly once those corporations shut down or laid off people or those companies were forced to shut down um, so normally we were providing food but what we realized is that when people were coming through our food lines that the the pandemic um, affected everyone at all levels of affluency. So typically most people would think, um, you know, food giveaways are, are affecting the black and the brown communities. Um, but we were seeing people of all races and colors come through. And um, the vehicles that were coming through, we, we would see Mercedes trucks all the way down to, you know, old minivans. It didn't, it didn't matter. And, and um, through our registration process, we saw that the zip codes um, were um, in the from the entire Dallas Metroplex, some affluent neighborhoods and some of the worst. Um, so what we did was we 
first thing we did was we partnered with churches. And so we know churches are, are, are the places where people go when there's all sorts of needs, if there's an emotional need, spiritual need, and sometimes financial need. And so we simply said, because of, because we know people are coming to you, let us partner with you all and use your parking lot as a hub to service the community. So what we did off after that was we went to as many nonprofits that, that were trying to do things to, to help get over this hump. Um, and we said, hey, here's what we're doing six days a week. Partner with us and show up um, at these parking lots and let's really serve the community. So... Um, on a daily basis, when we set up to give the, the, the food boxes that I alluded to, we also provide COVID testing, um, vaccine registration, help with utilities, rental or mortgage assistance, um, diapers, baby wipes or formula, information on assistance with home repairs from the storms, um, Medicaid, Medicare, um, food, stamp, food stamp snaps registration, um, in supplemental insurance um, opportunities or information on how to set up a banking account, clothes, um, whether it's baby clothes or clothes for an interview, um, fresh produce for you to consume. We, also, we even offer seeds so that you can plant and start your own garden, um, bottled water. Um, we give them information on educational programs so that if they want to, um, you know, possibly go back to school or do something online. Um, and then also because we're at churches, we, we, we have a prayer line. Um, and so we kind of set it up so that it's a one-stop shop, more like a, a moving mall. Um, so when they come through for the drive-through experience, they're getting a whole lot more than what they um, than, than what they thought. But it's a holistic approach to solve a problem. And it may not take care of everything, but we would like to think that we, we are helping that person um, a little bit more um, get closer to when things become normal again. And so that's kind of how we took our food distribution program and made it more viable and uh, more available for the community. Uh, Mr. Latanfilis, before before uh, I go to the next guest, uh, please tell the listening audience how, give them more information on how they can get in contact with your organization and things of that nature. Um, they can go to www.hungerbusters.com or they can go to www.145, that's 145campaign.com, and that represents the 145,000 students that are estimated in uh, Dallas ISD that don't have a meal at night. Um, either one of those, if they click on contact um, and shoot me an email, that will come straight to my email address. Um, and I always respond in less than 24 hours. I work seven days a week. And I'm going to tell you, he does respond. Well, I'm going to say less than <laughs> put your inspire four to six hours, but anyway, that's just me. <laughs> I, uh, but let me let, let me go into what you said because it was crucial and it tied in a lot to what uh, Buddy Thornton said about being in the same boat. Um, you mentioned a holistic approach. You mentioned to me. I heard a lot of uh, ministry aspects and what you said. You know, the prayer line. Right, uh, but also you said that it's, it's service is service based, meaning that you you're serving the needs of the community, whatever they are. You your organization are finding ways to serve the community and whatever needs that they have, right? And so, listen, guys, you need to get exposed to hunger busters and what they're doing, and you need to support them. For those that don't need any help, you need to support them, right? That means give your time, give your money, volunteer, whatever. Uh, put together a group, 
put together a movement, help them get the word out, help them get the services out, help them provide the service for the people, right? Because as this is not getting any better. I'm just going to be honest with you um, because there's going to be an aftermath to this. And so people are going to need coping skills and organizations like this are the ones you need to part- partner with on all levels. I don't care what level of influence that you're on, I'm sure they have a, a sector for you, right? So I love the fact that Hunger Busters is a hub, not only in Dallas ISD, but DFW. And I really believe that you guys are gonna expand because you've been such a, what a gift or a blessing. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it spiritual. You've been such a blessing to this community. I've heard so much about Hunger Busters, uh, not just in Dallas ISD, but also throughout Dallas County, that I believe that God's going to bless you guys to expand, to start expanding. Um, I, that's the next step. Because when, when you got something good, when you got something good going, everyone needs to get it get in and get up and, and be a part of it so you know the team every time you come on to the uh, impact education leadership you always leave so much so much for us to share with people to help them become better and to live a better life so i thank you for adding value to this podcast sir thank you for having me and i appreciate that and one thing i want to say too is is 60 62 percent of our volunteers are people that have gone through our lines before and received help. Exactly. 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 That's a segue. We're going to make it a segue. That's a segue to Dr. Francis uh, Bunya. Please say hello to the, the listening audience and tell them a little bit about what you're doing currently, sir. Hello to all the listeners. Uh, my name is Francis Mbunya. I'm based here in Allenton, Texas. And what I do is I help young professionals find their voice in business. And the way I do it is uh, it's definitely difficult to get noticed, especially when you're starting off with your business. And I just help them become published authors within 90 days. And they can use their book as a gateway to access the people they need to talk to. So in a nutshell, that's uh, what I do. Okay, yeah, and now tell us, I, I know about your book, but tell us a little bit about your book and the title of it and how can they get it? Okay, uh, there are currently about uh, three recent titles are just published now. The most recent one is um, Book Writing for Entrepreneurs, and it's simply just lay out uh, nine steps on how you can write a profitable book you can find that on amazon and one of the popular one is skyrocket your business with zero cost and that would leverage a lot uh, the concept in the non-profit management and how businesses could partner with non-profit why uh building the community they get more visibilities and, and grow their business i'm a fan of non-profit i, I volunteer a lot of non-profit so uh, there's a lot of great value which I share in that book for business leaders and how they could partner with non-profit and really get more visibility within their community because the non-profit are the people doing the work and they, they get an incredible recognition out there. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I was talking to Buddy, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, a little bit earlier in this podcast, okay, about the different biases. Uh, the different biases that are experience through the different ethnic groups, okay? And so, through your lens, uh, with your experience, I know you um, have migrated or, or come to America. You weren't necessarily born uh, in America, right? But you were born on, yeah. uh, overseas on a different continent. So you have a global, a globalized perspective, a globalized yeah. viewpoint uh, or point of view, right? So from your point of view, right? What, what are some ways or what ways can we even, even like balance? What I mean by even, I mean balance. The yeah. playing field, it, or is it even possible? But what are what are some ways we can balance the playing field as minorities to, I would say, mitigate right the economic or the growing economic hardship? You heard in the introduction that there, there's the the gap is is widening. It's, it's uh, the gap is not getting closed in but it's it's actually spreading apart right yeah. now we're all God's children so there should be a balance across the playing field but the the many hardships that are affecting especially minorities during this time uh, and these these populations that I'm speaking of in the different demographics that I'm speaking about what are some ways that we can mitigate the growing economic hardship affecting these parts of the population while shifting to the digital market. Because you, you spoke about your book and your book yeah. can be seen on a digital market. But, but what are some ways we can start shifting uh, positively and successfully to the digital marketplace as minorities? That's my question for you. Uh, thank you very much, Saya, uh, for that great question. And um, I will start off by saying that uh, someone that wasn't born in the United States and now living in the United States, I've also had the opportunity to uh, live in other countries in Europe and I've visited quite a lot of countries. And I will say that the startup for a shift is education. First of all, just building our mindset to understand that we are not at a disadvantageous position because of where we come from or because of who we are. Uh, the fact that uh, we might be the minority doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have to step up our game. So uh, the first thing which I challenge in a person uh, who find themselves within a minority group is to step up their game in terms of mindset. For instance, I was born in Cameroon, uh, from a, um, and when I, when I was born in a, in a kind of a, a jungle village, there was no light, there was no electricity, I wasn't born in a city. And as early as five, I asked my mom the question, why don't we have big cars, fancy houses, and 
I couldn't really find an answer to that. And one of the promises I gave myself was, you know what, I'm going to be the person to change everything around. And that has been the mindset that really uh, I, I, I live with, I believe in. And the fact that I'm able to uh, run my own business is not because I have an added advantage, it's just the way I think. Now, looking at COVID, it cost a lot in terms of uh, really taking a lot of people out from their job. Uh, the first is that you realize that when COVID hit, uh, some of the places that were really shut down were restaurants. And you can imagine the number of people that lose their job because of that. And uh, as Bobby said, m many of the people at the lower level, they live from paycheck to paycheck which means that it's definitely very difficult to survive beyond if, if they miss a paycheck or if they miss two. But now, we, we came to a situation where they did not just miss one, two, they missed several paychecks. And we see this having like a triple effect in the economy and also in the way uh, we live, in the way we, 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 we cooperate. And the several dimensions of this effect, uh, which I definitely might not really go into details with that, <coughs> excuse me, kind of, I definitely want to not go into details with that, but some of which is, you, you'll see like uh, 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 going deeper from my, from my point of social research and developmental study, increase in household violence, and you see also uh, increasing a lot of crime because uh, people really have to. Now that they have to, they find themselves in position where they cannot push other. But then, when I step in into the space of looking at what is happening within the minority community and from an advisory point of view, the first thing, which is the first thing I did, before COVID, I, I was doing purely business coaching. I was working with a couple of companies are in Dallas, and all of them were shut down during COVID. Now, I could as well just sit back and say, you know what, uh, COVID is taking away business, there's nothing I can do. Now, I had to pivot, I had to go back and say, okay, what can I do now? There needs to be a way out. Now, the, my goal has not changed, I just have to reroute. And I found out that, okay, before then, uh, the most stuff that really made me visible was a book I published called Skyrocket Your Business as a Rocker. And everybody was like, okay, I want to know more about that. And because they wanted to know more about that book, they invited me to, to talk about it. And that is how I, I, get connect, I got connected with a lot of businesses and started helping them reaching that concept. And now I found out that, oh, since this was a great tool for me, I can also teach people how to come up with a tool like this and use it for the business. And then shifting to the digital space where I do not have to go have physical, physical contact with the company to coach them. I just have to liaise with the head of the company and say, hey, you can get more visibility. If you're able to publish a book that speaks about your brand, people can read more about you. Uh, you can be present in, in, on Amazon. You can be visible in all the countries that Amazon is represented. And it's going to be a very easy way to get your message out there. And now, many people might not be at a level where they're doing what I am, but then COVID also shifted the world into the digital space. 
and it created an opportunity for a lot of people. Many companies or many uh, organizations had to move online, which means that they also need that help on how to navigate online. Now, we also see a rise in increase in the space of uh, uh, visual system, people with digital marketing and all of that. Now they're growing. And these are, these are like opportunities where you could take a course for about a week on Udemy and you're able to stop assisting people. We have all the digital uh, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You can actually sell yourself out there at no cost. But how many of us are leveraging that aspect? to tell other what we're capable of doing. I hire about two virtual assistants. I met them on social media. I've never met them. So some people are definitely taking advantage of that. And others are definitely not. They might as well be in an, an opportunity where they cannot do that. That might be understandable, which is the reason why we also need to extend a helping hand. We also need to educate. Some might not even know that. Um, becoming a visual assistant just with your phone, you could help someone to scatter their posts on social media and you get paid for that. Some might not even know that. Uh, definitely, if you start creating good content and someone that needs someone to create that content could pay you for what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, there is a shift. There is a lot of uh, challenges. And now it's hitting most especially those who are not armed will say my, most of the minority will also admit that they're not well educated to step into the advanced phase, which is also why we can also notice some of the big gaps there. But it's also, an, uh, I would say it's a signal for us that are in the space where we could educate to step in to see how we can help. And that also uh, give a reason why the nonprofit, as I said, it's playing a really big role and for uh, anybody in the place of entrepreneurship, I think the goal is to look at how we can partner with the nonprofit to reach back to the community, to give back in there. And I, I spend a lot of time as well just trying to see how I cycle that back. Uh, thank you very much um, uh, for the question. No, I, absolutely. And I'm going to come back to you. Uh, thank you for presenting so many opportunities. Not only for students, for also uh, just nonprofit groups and just organizations and movements. I, I want to ask uh, Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent, a question. I'm going to come back to you, Dr. Mbunya, um, because I, I want to see what he is going to say about this. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, opportunities. Uh, we're talking about, I guess we can also say experiences, right, um, that are helping enable not only minorities but all social groups um, academically and cognitively and vocationally and, and to give them that understanding to give them that know-how to give them that competency right you know this conversation is all about developing a, a sense of worth a sense of efficacy a sense of confidence, a sense of self-esteem, right? <clears throat> and so my question to you, uh, buddy, 
is what principles what principles should we emphasize from this conversation you know what what should we take home what should we take back to chew on and to regurgitate and to talk about and to present um that you know hey this is what's working this is not what's working these are the skills that we need to hone in on to enable right uh, our students our learners our people in the community to overcome these different challenges that we are facing and that we have faced throughout life that's my question for you and now and, and what, I, what i mean by that is you know what are some management tools and this goes into your profession. This goes into what you're already doing every day, right, as a positive social change agent pro. So that's my question for you. Thank you, uh, Isaiah. Before I uh, answer your question, I want to say that, uh, especially to my two panel mates, uh, I am humbled to be in the same podcast with the two of you. You are providing services that are above and beyond what I could ever hope to do. I tend to work with individual families and I tend to work within the scope of neighborhoods and communities as well as I can. And the one thing that people like my castmates here and I provide is a sense of dignity. Everybody has to keep rowing the boat. We've, we've addressed the issue that COVID has beat everybody down, some people more than others. But what's lacking in a lot of the conversations is how do we return a sense of dignity to those who have lost it? And how do we enlarge and provide dignity to those who perhaps were not afforded that before COVID? We have to focus on being a better pro-social society. It has to be built into the fabric of every choice we make I have a program called the four pillars and it says my life and my voice and my dreams and my choice should matter. They should matter to me. I'm a unique human being. Every person I interact with is a unique human being. If I ask them to answer what each one of those four pillars mean, I expect to get 8 billion different answers because there are 8 billion people on our planet and we need to focus on giving them the opportunity to be unique and because they're unique, they are a gift to society. So we need to give them the dignity of standing firm as a gift and allow them to tell us what their dreams are so we can evaluate their dreams versus their competencies and we can uplift them. You know, Latame is feeding the hungry. People can't think, they can't move when they're hungry when they can't see where they're going to be provided for for the very next day. But once they get beyond that, they have a yearning and that yearning is to feel self-worth. And so I focus on the word dignity because that's what's lacking. When I talk to people who are really, really anchored on victimology, that's what they need. I don't seek to eliminate their victimology. I insert a level of dignity and allow them to put that victimology to bed themselves. I empower them to do it themselves. It doesn't do me any good to say, I did it for you. 
I just have to provide them with a platform so that they can do it for themselves. Put people in a position to have dignity and, and growth, and you'll see miracles come out of this COVID situation. That's what we need. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, Dr. Um, Mbunya, I, I said I was going to come back to you. That was a perfect segue. Buddy, I, I didn't even know you were going to say all that. That was right on time, and it, it was a perfect transition to the question I wanted to ask him. Uh, you know, we're almost out of time. I want to, I want to talk about some takeaways, too, for tonight. But before I do that, let me ask you a question. Uh, Dr. Francis Mbunya, what educational strategies, and you, you don't have to go in depth, but what educational strategies for uh, digital marketing platforms uh, are we going to have to look at in the, the future as it relates to mobile devices and apps um, that will change as a result of COVID-19? That's my question. Uh, thank you very much for that question. I, I will start, first of all, by uh, saying that the digital space has become very relevant for not just businesses, but for individuals. And we, we constantly, we are seeing innovations that are coming up. The clubhouse, uh, for those who are there, has become like a really a valuable way to, to give out information uh, and, 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 and create access to information for a lot of people. So the digital space is up, it's kind of offering a lot of opportunity for anyone that wants to look at how they can provide value and integrity. Now, the reason I emphasize value and integrity is because we also see a lot of people that are taking advantage of the digital space to get uh, to, 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 to kind of uh, sabotage uh, the value in it. For instance, uh, someone that is highly technical or that is uh, kind of advanced in the digital space can easily maybe pick out information from there and pretend to be who they are. They are not. And that's also making a lot of people skeptical. So how do we then take advantage to be authentic while dealing with the digital space? That, that is a, a very key word that we need to really pay some attention to. to. It provides an opportunity for individuals, opportunity for businesses to be able to put themselves out there. And it also, uh, the chief has also driven a lot of attention to the digital space. And if, if you've been on, on online recently, if you do live videos and you do also uh, content marketing, one of the stuff you will, you will have noticed is that the outreach has definitely dropped. Normally, if you, if you put a content out there on Facebook, it wasn't uh, very much difficult to get a thousand views, two thousand, but now, with the same effort, you barely get about 300, 400, except you have to promote. So why are there's attention shifting there? The space are also looking at how they could monetize it. Which also means that if you're able to provide value 
integrity and be authentic is a possibility for you to stand out in everything that you're doing within the digital space and to take advantage of that to grow up as a leader in your field. And this is where I come in with um, a book writing for entrepreneurs, which is the brand I promote, and how this helps us to gain more space into the digital space is that you are able to kind of pre-validate who you are or pre-validate what you can do and it just kind of help those who need what you have to know that they're talking to the right person, to know that I can trust this person. Most of the people, before they ever get on a call with me, they're like, oh, before I came on board, I had a chance to look at X, Y, Z, and the, most of the follow-up question is just like, oh, I saw this and I need more information on this. So we need to also take advantage of this digital space and of the growing interest there to, to, to see how we can push ourselves out there. It do, it do take some time to do that. It do take some time to really uh, be authentic. And uh, just, to, just to wrap up with that, we, we also see new uh, ways of doing things coming up. Um, also making it easier for anyone that is within the space to also participate even if you're very busy. For instance, with uh, uh, a lot of external stuff where you could schedule uh, your social media posting for like the, the, the next two, three months to say just for them to go online. But is that the best way to go? Definitely not the best way to go, but somewhere to start. And then, oh, what I tell anyone that wants to get uh, leverage the advantage of social media, leverage the advantage of uh, digital marketing to actually stand out is the fact that it's just about doing it. It's not about being perfect at what you do. Immediately you have something which is valuable, get it out there. You're going to have mistakes but you're going to learn along the way. And I've seen a lot of people that had no clue on what they could do, did not even believe in themselves. And we just said them, hey, you know what? Just do it. When you do it, you learn, you do it, you learn, you learn, you do it. And in less than no time, you're going to become very good in what you're doing. And this is also what a lot of young people that are coming up, especially us who are young entrepreneurs, we don't want to take that patience to really build and invest in ourselves to command the value that can take us to the next level. Everyone just wants it like, I want it now. I want something that if we put in today, I get out tomorrow. It's definitely not a sustainable way of living because we live in a dynamic world. Things are changing at like the speed of light in a way that for you to gain stability, for you to gain um, resilience, you need to be able to understand the, the, the factor of time and change and to build with resistance and, and to gain that, that strength to move. So digital marketing, uh, the space of the, the, the mobile app, the internet is providing a massive opportunity now, for anyone to take advantage of it, my advice is that build the integrity that is going to single you out as a leader 
and you'll be able to really benefit a lot from it. Thank you very much. That was perfect. That was perfect. And again, we started this conversation off by talking about classical conditioning, right? And so, you know, Dr. Mbunga talked a lot about uh, authenticity, talked a lot about how people think in the fund in the foundational ideas uh, of where uh, their thoughts come from. And so let me just read again um, Ivan uh, Pollock's um, suggestion he, as he discussed that animals, including humans, can be conditioned to respond in a particular way through the use of outside stimuli. And that means outside exposure, outside uh, phenomenons, right? And in his theory, he concluded, because we're going to talk about some takeaways about this discussion before we leave. He concluded that developing the foundational ideas of classical conditioning can cause... Now, classical conditioning is basically when you repeat something over and over and over again and you condition yourself or you subject yourself or you uh, form a habit, right? Um, that's what classical conditioning is in, in, in a small uh, explanation type of way. But this classical conditioning can cause living things to respond how they are trained to respond. What are the takeaways for the night? Who wants to go first? It's very important that we re recognize that Dr. Bunya and Latane both hit super key points. Number one, Dr. Bunya said that everyone has to learn how to ride a bicycle. But when you're learning, you're going to fall and you might get hurt. But the key component is getting up and doing it over and over again until you perfect it. And Latane Phillips uh, expressed the need for consistency and sustainability. Even once we're through COVID, someone's got to be there to keep going. I, uh, I got to spend a few decades uh, as a member of the PBA, and on one particular night, I threw a 300 game, and one of my peers walked up to me, touched me on the shoulder, and I looked at him, and I was all smiles, and he said, what's well, been about three, four minutes since you finished? I said, yep. He says, okay, now focus and go do it again. That's exactly what we need to do. With a success, we need to enjoy it for about five seconds. And then we need to saddle up and go look for another success. And if something smacks us down, we want to feel like a victim, we need to give that about five seconds. And then we need to get up and we need to start moving again because change is inevitable. Change is constant. The only way you can defeat change and make things better is to keep moving. And I think uh, my, my panel mates and I made that abundantly clear tonight. Excellent. I, I would um, concur with Buddy and Dr. Nabunia that it's, a, it, it, it's all about us reaching out as far as our reach can go and holding hands and us all walking forward together. Um, you know, Buddy was, is, 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 was like a motivational speaker with everything he said today. And so you need that motivation to, to move forward in terms of what you're doing on a daily basis. And I love the fact that Dr. Francis has written a book that you know, um, a lot of people start businesses and start nonprofits, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to scale. They don't have the money to pay, um, you know, some type of consultant group to come in and teach them how. 
where you can buy his book and learn that. And so it's just all of us holding hands, walking forward together to get through this. I want to come in this to speaking, and I want to thank Isaiah for providing the platform for us to really share valuable idea. And I see uh, what we we do in here for the information we share in you know, profit, how to relate with each other, and it's a time to really put our support. And when we talk about support, sharing value and information like this, it's one of the most highest support you can give people out there. Most of the time, I probably just go online, not because I want to say something, but just to motivate someone, just to encourage them, just to see how I can I can provide a space for a lot of people to, to, to just come in and, and ask questions and receive answers. So, um, uh, COVID has created a lot of shifts. There's still a lot to deal with. But my takeaway, especially for people that are still really being hit with this pandemic, is, is, is to have hope, is to believe that something good is going to happen. And, and when we start building this inner hope, it's going to help us to see a positive way out of it. But if we believe that there is nothing that can be done, it's gonna shut down the brain and nothing can be done. So one of my strengths is to always be positive that something good will happen. Even if I'm at the last minute when I'm not seeing any option, I still like, okay, I know something is gonna come around in the next moment. And we need to build this kind of positive mindset which is what is going to overthrow the environment of uh, depression, negativity, and a whole lot. And when we see uh, uh, people that are coming up with this mindset within the community space, we need it. Uh, uh, it's a highly uh, motivated mindset. It's really con uh, contaminating. If we have a lot of people bringing it up, this possibility, this positivity, we're going to give hope to many people. We're going to give them the reason to believe in them, themselves. We're going to give them the reason to get up and strike. So I see this as a, not just a challenge, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge that is challenging us to step up our game. Thank you. This conversation tonight was not only positive reinforcements, but it was a movement. This conversation was a movement. So. This was another impactful night of the impact of educational leadership. This is episode 77. Tonight's panelists were Latane Phillips, Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, and Dr. Francis Mbunga. Good night. Good night.